Hello, everybody. Phil Stevens here. You're on Iron Radio. Strength coach. Run Strength Guild. I'm also a Highland Games athlete, powerlifter. Oh, wonderful Saturday morning to everybody. Yes, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. Still in Minnesota here. It's warming up. It was actually warm yesterday. It got up almost to uh, 20 degrees. It was like a heat wave. Uh, associate professor of the Kerrigan Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert and Physiologic Flexibility Certifications. Coach Rail out of Kansas City, uh, runs strength field lifting on the east side of the Midwest area. <laughs> east side. Lifting, a good 60 power. minutes east of me. Yeah. Uh, weightlifting, powerlifting, uh, some strongman stuff. Used to be a former CrossFit owner, uh, all-around good guy. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'll give it an announcement. If anybody's listening to this and just likes podcasts, uh, Matt Vincent had me on. He just put out the podcast with me on there. On the UMSO podcast, UMSO podcast. It's on YouTube, Apple, blah, 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 blah. So if you want to see my beautiful face, you have to go on YouTube. But uh, we talk about all kinds of shit for an hour. Or more. I don't remember how long it goes, but go check that out. Matt's had a lot of good guests on. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I just listened to Matt's podcast with my buddy Zach Bidner on his Human Performance Outlier show, and that was really good. I loved yeah. it. It was great. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good setup over there. Makes it easy. You just pop in and go to his gym, and they've got a separate room set up for podcasting. It's it's good stuff. So Where is Matt located now again? I know St. he travels Louis. a lot. so Based out of St. Louis. St. Louis, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, not far, not far from me. So I drove over there. Had been, he'd been to my place a few times, and I finally went out to his. So That's then. cool. I think whenever you can do those things <clears throat> live and in person, which is a lot easier than it used to be, I, that's always my, my preference. It's just oh, the, yeah. the logistics make it almost like, oh, especially now, I'm glad I didn't commit to doing a live podcast show in addition to this one. It would be, I mean, if we had to do this one live, good luck, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah, no shit. When you can do it, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So no, it's good. And then we got the Arnold coming up. Anybody who's uh, going, I am in addition to the Arnold at the last minute. So I wasn't going to go, but then I got all these calls about what time we're meeting and this and that. So that's on um, Wendler. Yeah, it was Wendler and <laughs> Wendler and uh, Smokey and uh, the Highland Games guys and Dave and his wife. And so I was like, okay, I'll book oh, a flight. That'd be fun. So. I'll be out there Friday around noon. I'll probably, since I'm already in Columbus when I land, I'll probably just go straight over and check some things out. So if you're at the expo, let me know. I'll be, I'll be walking around there looking for an excuse to get away from the expo and walk across the street to the pub. So if you want to shoot, if you want to shoot the shit, drop me a line. Um, so other than that, yeah, I don't know much. I mean, I know the Arnold is, uh, from what I hear from talking to Highland Games athletes, it's like they weren't pushing this thing very well. But at the last minute, they've been calling tons of people like, can you come compete? Oh, uh, so, must be short. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if how this thing goes off. But uh, the viewership might be right about what it is for the Winter Olympics. You like you guys like that segue? I was trying to look for That's a segue good. there. That was, so yeah, they're still cool. live casting a lot of Arnold <laughs> stuff this year? I have no clue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no clue. But, uh, no, we were, we were talking about before the show, uh, viewership of the, uh, 
the Winter Olympics because I was asking the guys if there's anything new on the Winter Olympics and not much aside from the drastic decline of viewers. Um, it dropped 40%. So looking at this of average TV ratings, like CBS 60 minutes every week has pretty much the same viewers as the Winter Olympics as a whole. Wow. Uh, and Sunday night football's double it. So, hmm. and you're talking like football is just in this country. So yeah. you're talking about all the nations together at the Olympics versus football. So kind of sad, but if you look, they have this, this article has like the Olympics, winter Olympics going back to 98 and it's a steady decline hmm. is what you're seeing. So, uh, I think you were saying the summer games were off too, right? Yeah, and the summer games are down too. But and that's what they said they dropped. Well, this was the smallest rated summer games ever. So, and it had five million more viewers than well, football still beat it. So, but like in relation, Salt Lake in 2022 there were 31.9 million average viewers, and this year there's barely 10. So it's a third. <clears throat> that's a big cut. Man. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Aside from, like you said, it could be that they're doing a lot of the events live. Yeah. So it's on at odd times. I think you almost have to now, right? I mean, you hear about all the results if you time delayed it. It's like, oh, I already know who won. Why am I going to watch yeah. it now? I mean, yeah, that's like our argument with, like, why the hell is the World's Strongest Man still not live? Exactly. Like, they put it out six months later and everybody knows who won. Right. So, uh, it's dumb, but I think the other problem, another big problem is like Jarrell was saying, uh, they have this weird tendency to not follow the big sports very well uh, and they'll air dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll air like events that have 14 viewers in yeah. lieu of like hockey, you know, yeah, it's just not smart choices. Seems like they choose not like it's almost like they choose novelty over, you know, Novelty over the core sports. I would say that, especially in the Summer Olympics, which is kind of what they're, you know, essentially after, like, you know, the novelty aspect of, like, uh, curling, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. not that curling is bad or anything like that, but it's, like, kind of got a, a weird a weird pop appeal. Like, if yeah. you were just flipping through channels and you were to stop, like, oh, and then you make fun of it or whatever for 30 minutes, and then you're like, ah, then you move on. Whereas if you were, I know, so when I was younger, I remember like bobsledding being huge. Like they really like pumped <laughs> it, and it was huge. They're all about it. And I said you you would sit down and, like and wait for the bobsledding or mm-hmm. um, figure skating has always been big, and they'd be big on that. And then not not that that I think the whole viewership is a little bit different than like an athletic viewership. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, my mom is a big fan of, you know, figure skating. And she likes the other stuff, like, that are, you know, athletic, but she's not really that into. And I think she's kind of a normal viewer for, like, the Olympics. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say, like, figure skating is what a lot of people. It seems like the big winter sport that all the countries are wanting to win. Um, Much like gymnastics in summer. There's a lot of viewers for that. Do you think that's maybe just more relatable? Because most people have 
tried to skate and could barely stand on a pair of skates, so they have like a little bit of a reference, but is that biased because I grew up in the Midwest? <laughs> well, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of people that have done it. So, yeah, it's relatable. And just like gymnastics, how many little girls right. started out doing it? So it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Also, the performance is almost strictly entertaining, you know? Yes. Yes. Like the, like an actual figure skating routine is where, like even gymnastics, like a floor routine is, you know, it's entertainment, but it's also like they, they judge you on skills, right? Yeah. So you, you're trying to demonstrate your skill set while also kind of having an entertaining performance. I don't think the entertaining part really comes that big on the scoring, but it does help like kind of the viewership angle more so than like, I don't know. I can't gymnastics. It's like a quantitative sport. Yeah. <laughs> like bobsled yeah. maybe like you were talking about. Yeah. Bobsled well, or speed skating. First of all, compare apples to apples, like actual speed skating races, which I actually like those. Yeah. Well, yeah, those but that's the, the that's the strength coach in you. Yeah. You know, as far as the regular, I mean, I see why bobsleds watched because it's much like NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I'd say most of the people watching are looking, waiting for a big wreck. You know, <laughs> they're not watching the athletic ability of these people. They're hoping somebody wrecks at 160 miles an hour in a little sled. Um, yeah, and then gymnastics and that, you know, those are the related really sports. The other one, they're they're waiting for an accident, you know, and then the people that view into like things like speed skating and things like that are, I don't know, I'd say the majority of strength-minded people are ex-athletes and things like that. So, which in the grand scheme of things, compared to the general population, is small. So, uh, eh. Do you think the qualitative sports are more highly viewed than the quantitative ones, right? So where you've got a more, like, I think of freestyle skiing and snowboarding where you've got a very, you know, judges are, you know, there's standards and, you know, comparisons, but it's not like you cross the line first, right? It's like a hard <laughs> quantitative, like downhill skiing, bobsled, skeleton, et cetera. I, my guess is that those may rate higher because of what you're saying for the entertainment factor even though it'd be harder for most people to distinguish the top person from the last person yeah i think it's just the entertainment value go ahead Drew. yeah i was just just gonna say i think the united like in the u.s it's all driven by who the stars are right like sure there's always a a kind of a marketing campaign before that's like very specific on certain athletes that are going you know like especially i mean i think like the downhill skiers are kind of they're up there um downhill skiers if you have a cool story like you know which part of that to me seems like that seems to be somewhat of the problem where it's like if you didn't have like oh did your mom just die like yeah that's you're the one we're gonna focus on you like you have a you know, mm-hmm. sad story and i'm doing this for this or whatever it is this year i don't feel like like i can't point out in my mind, like any stars that have just popped up where they're like hammering you with their story over and over, over, like over social media and yeah. all that stuff. You know, I think part of that is for America to tune in. It's like, you got to have a, like kind of the hero experience. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think a little bit of the last between summer and now it's kind of been like disenchanting. I'd say that. Yeah. You know, we got like the Shikari stuff and all that. So, 
Um, I just can't point to any people in our sports right right this very second. I would say, oh, this is who they're really keen in on, like who's yeah. the hero of this story. Yeah, because you look at summer. I mean, look at years past. I mean, you'd see. Well, hell, I mean, look at the drama that happened with uh, what was it, Nancy Kerrigan and whatnot. <laughs> that in itself, that was a shit show, but yeah. it, it brought tons of viewers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people wanted to watch. Um, or you know, back to the Summer Olympics back in the days when it was you know Mary Lou Retton or whatever. You'd see that stuff for months on end before the games got there. So it urged people to tune in. Um, the only yeah, one I saw before this one was Nathan Chen, you know, everybody, because he, like, lost last year or whatever, and we're hoping he wins this year, and he won a gold medal this year, but for the U.S. team. That's the only one I saw prior to this. I mean, you didn't see much. I didn't see much at all about the Winter Games before. It was just here. But, yeah, yeah, I saw less stories, I would say, and kind of like the heroes journey when the, the some of the broadcasts that I watched. I mean, there was still obviously those aspects there. And I don't know if it's because a lot of the families had to be remote. They couldn't be there with them or if it was just a, a broadcast decision because everything is compressed into the night. So you're trying to show as much of the actual sports as you can because there's multiple ones going on at the same time or or what the reason was. But, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. I I actually kind of liked it a little bit better because – once you've seen the story and heard about the athlete, that's great. That's super cool to know. But I don't need to see it 17 more times. It's like, just yeah. let me watch them compete now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was actually, I mean, for me, that's a personal complaint. Like, I, I hate that that's over the sport. You know what I mean? Like, it's, they make the, whatever the story is about an individual bigger than the sport itself. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure we are in the minority in this aspect. Oh, Particularly sure. on NBC shows. Like, I mean, if you look at NBC shows and like their actual model, it's like, uh, even, you remember like, was it the rock show? What was that called? Where they had, there's a bunch of former crossers that went on there. Oh, uh. Um, oh, the little sort of like, um. God damn it. Uh, they were competing against each other and these yeah, like, what's sort of games name they made it? up, right? Charity Titan Wit games, won it. Is that Titan what it was? Games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yep. Yeah. So, but if you like watching that show, like their model is basically, individual story like they pump up an individual story mm-hmm. and then compete you know and usually they try to follow the the people who are going to win you know so that way it's not like you you have this big story about somebody who takes sixth or something because then you know for americans that's like a huge letdown <laughs> <laughs> but that that just seems to be the the model that works the best for American viewership is like to have a very intense, some sort of emotional, emotionally driven hero story attached to uh, whatever the performance is. Like you have to have to be overcoming something. You know, if you did you have a big wreck in the last one, then they're gonna be like that's that's gonna be the big deal. Yeah, we'll talk about that a hundred times, or you know. Somebody in your family can't, whatever. Like, it's got to be some sort of emotional attachment story. And they hammer it, and then people kind of tune in, like, oh, I want to see this person do well. You know, kind of have that hero complex. And then, but to be honest, I haven't seen hardly any of that. I mean, who was the, she's dating the, the black hockey player. I can't think of her name, but she was like one of the stars from the last Winter Olympics. 
What event was she in? I think she was a skier. Oh, okay. Like a downhill skier. Yeah. Oh, downhill Michaela? Uh, doesn't sound familiar. Oh, okay. But they, they just, she was on everything and talking about various things and like had a, had a story and all that. And she was like, to me, the prime star of the last Winter Olympics and her stuff, her events were always the highest or anything related to her events. Cause some of that's like people are like, Oh, is she in this one? And they just keep it on. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it could be as simple as that. They just didn't push this thing very well. Cause I didn't see much. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Speaking I think of about uh, watching train wrecks, I always think back to watching Bodie Miller ski because uh, not only was he an amazing skier, but his style was just so reckless, unorthodox, <laughs> and he would either win or pull out some almost amazing crash or just take some just horrific looking crash. Yeah. But it's kind of like the Mike Tyson, the fighting, like you never really knew what was going to happen. <laughs> So it was, you know, hard on his body, but it was exciting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The other thing coming up that's worth mentioning is the uh, the heaviest boxing match in the world. They just announced that it's going to be free. So the Thor versus Eddie fight is now free. Really? Yep. They took away the paywall. Wow. Did they say Why? No, from what I hear, it's because of the last fights that have been going on. Like, I think people are kind of over the celebrity mm. boxing matches. And yeah, the novelty. The, the purchase of the streams have dramatically dropped. So what they're yeah. trying on this one is give it to everybody for free and sell commercials. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll see. Anybody that wants to watch it now can watch it for free. It's at segitv.com, S-E-G-I.tv. I guess yeah. this and uh, yeah, they take down their paywall for this. You can watch it. Uh, What's the date again? March nineteenth. Oh, it's okay. Right up. Yeah, it's coming right up, and I figured it'd air at some crazy time, but it's not. It's actually pretty viewable for us here. Twelve uh, thirty Pacific Standard Time. Oh, okay. To three thirty. Probably uh, so. oh, dragging that out for three hours. <laughs> well, there's that's a lot of fights before it. Oh, I don't know okay. who else is on so the they're caller, you everything then. Yeah, the whole thing. If you're going, if you're going to the Arnold, I was kind of, I just went to the page to see what the page looked like. There's, I don't know if you can still sign up, but here's the perfect event for you. They're running the uh, Slap Fighting Championship Ooh. on Saturday. <laughs> what? Yeah, Slap Fighting Championships. That That's a real thing. Presented by Logan Paul and Arnold. The way oh, the poster looked, God. it looked like Arnold and Logan Paul were going to be. Doing each other. Like, yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm tuning in. What's yeah. time is this? Yes, yeah, so March 5th at 2 to 5 on the main stage. Oh, the main stage. Yeah, slap fighting championship. Wow. I don't know if you can still sign up for the tournament or whatever, but I Still, mean, here's your chance. They can let me in as a celebrity slapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take on Logan Paul. I'm not scared. <laughs> Here it is. Does it name the athletes? No, it doesn't even tell you the athletes. No, I don't say anything. Did I'm you know stuff. any of them? Uh, probably not, but <laughs> want to know who I'm about to smack down with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do see some of those. Some of those dudes are heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. They, like, chalk up and everything. <laughs> it's, 
How do they judge that though? Does like somebody have to get knocked out or what? I mean, is it subjective? Like, man, that hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like kind of like, I mean, you can't get knocked out, but it's like there are judges for like the hardest slap and stuff. But the only one I only see the highlights, so it's only like when people get slapped into the third row or whatever. <laughs> 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 Says you can watch live and for free, I guess. The problem I got though is foosball championship is happening at the same time. I'll be torn. Oh. I'll be torn because I there's a picture of Arnold playing foosball here too. Oh, so I'm I think he's gonna do that too, but ugh, that'll be tough to choose. Speaking of novelty events, that's an athletic that's sport. Yeah, it's on the main page. Like that's like yeah, they have a little bit of the bodybuilding stuff, the Arnold Pro stuff. Scroll down one thing, and it's bam, slap championships. Yeah, they have pickleball. Yeah, they do. Pole fitness is that pole dancing? <laughs> Must I think pretty so. much. It is pole dancing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I watched some of it at Arnold the one year, and it was. Pretty damn impressive. It is. <laughs> what they do is damn impressive. But, uh, you know, it's bringing the local club to the sports field. Yeah. So. Well, I got some people I know competing there in arm lifting for grip, so. See how it seems out here. There it is. Scottish Island Games. Oh, Friday. Oh, they don't have any pros this year. Island Games. Where did they do the Highland Games there? Actually? On the main floor in the expo. Really? Inside the expo. So wow. they build these crazy freaking like cabers that won't mess up the floor. Okay, and then that's they throw what I was like, about. Yeah, and they throw like, uh, I think Rogue made them, of course, like for their weights for distance. It's like a bag on a chain instead of your usual weight. Ah. Uh. <laughs> or something that won't wreck the floor. Same thing with right. weight over bar. It's a. It's a softer weight on a chain. They only have part of the events. They only have five events. So it's open stone, weight for distance, weight over bar, sheaf, and caber. Of course, they can't do hammers because they'd have to have one hell of a field in there. They'd have to eat up too much floor space. Right. So they just break it down to five events. But And the caber, like, you can't run with it. There's not enough room. You oh, pretty much have to static throw? You have to pretty much pick it, take one or two steps, and flip it. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Um, because they just don't have the room. Yeah, yeah. So. But. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. Like I said, it's I'll probably be in the expo for a total of 15 minutes, but it's kind of what I, how I roll. It's like, let me get out of here. Yeah. I mean, the times I've went in the past, it's it's been fun. I've always had a good time. Went and watched my buddy Adam and a bunch of other guys compete for arm lifting a few times. And it's cool because a lot of people I know are, are normally there, and I try to hit everyone I want in the expo usually. Super early, right when it opens, like mm-hmm. Thursday or Friday. I mean, the one year I was doing uh, some educational stuff for the NSCA, so we got to go around into the expo before it even officially opened. That was great. I just got yeah. to go up and talk to whoever I wanted to for about an hour before anyone was in there, and never went back in after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. No, I mean, it's actually a great event to go to. I think most people just get wrapped too wrapped up in the – you get caught up in the expo. And you literally you know, get caught up in the expo, like yeah, you can't get it, out. Like some of those, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the bad part about it. Like making it okay, I want to watch the Highland Games. I got to go through all that to get to it. Yep. Um, 
some of the other events, it's easy. Like usually powerlifting and weightlifting and stuff is in those side rooms. Yeah, so those easy. are great. It's easy to go see those, but uh, they put those other ones on the main floor and it's, you got to deal with the masses of humanity. You got to wait for the line of 300 people waiting to get a free freaking bang energy drink. So I can't, yeah. I still can't believe that. Like you're waiting in line for an hour and a half to get a dollar fifty drink, dude. I'll just go yeah. buy one. <laughs> they were selling them like when I was there for like a dollar, right? Yeah. They weren't always free. Yeah. And like some of the lines for the people, like I didn't even recognize the people. Like yeah. Stan Efferding was there at a booth and I just walked right up. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And it's like, there's no one in line. Grab this is five years ago, yeah. you know, but still a relatively prominent figure in, in fitness. Um, and then the lines for people, I didn't even know who they were waiting in line for. <laughs> One of the funniest ones for me, it was probably five years ago, me and Windler were walking around it, and you see all these lines at the booths for supplements and stuff. And then there was a uh, there was a TRT company there, and it was just crickets, nobody at their booth. And we're like, the one thing that actually works, there's no one. <laughs> <laughs> of all the shit they can be waiting in line for, like, this actually works. And there's no one interested. <laughs> no. Uh, it just speaks to the speaks to the uh, industry. Yeah, and uh, used to be able to get a lot of like free stuff, but I mean, the last couple of years I went, there wasn't that changed really as much free. Like they just did discounted prices on some stuff, and yeah. a few places you got a couple things. But I remember the one, yeah, the first year when it was seven, eight years ago, something like that. It's like, man, it was like. Just take as many as you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like years ago when they Olympics, yeah. the bigger of the two. 15 years ago, whatever, when we go to Vegas. And, like, you could leave there with suitcases of stuff. Like, I had to, my first ever one, I had to buy another bag. Yeah. Because you just had so much shit. Uh, now that doesn't happen. But you've also seen the shift. Like, it used to be all supplement companies. Yes. And now it's primarily people selling shirts and gear and you know, it's selling things. It's like, a, it's weird how it changed. So, but, and I know this year, a lot of people just backed out. I know. Yeah. Like most of my clients that always went and had big booths are just like, nope, we're not doing it. Well, it's too much risk. Like we talked about last time. I mean, yep. if something were to happen and it gets canceled, they all got hosed before. Yes, they so yeah, they, they're, I think they're still, they're still snake bitten by that last one, but. So that'll be interesting for this. I mean, as far as the Arnold goes, this will kind of be a, this is a, you better not fuck it up here. Yeah. So, um, Do you think they'll limit people into the expo or they'll just like say, we don't care and just have it be like a free for all again? I think they're letting people in. So I haven't okay. seen any warnings and I know the year before it went to hell in 2020, uh, it was the first time I was there, and they brought the firemen in and stopped letting people in. Yeah, I did see that when I was there, too. I was like, oh, yeah. that's that's a first. <laughs> yeah, it was one person in, one person out. So yep. you had to wait for somebody to come out to go in. But I'm not guessing it'll be that big. And that's why I said, like, like you're a good idea. I'm going to probably hit the expo up Friday. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not as crazy. Saturday's the nuts one. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I'll go hang out with Dave and Jim and stuff. So, it's just better. So, yeah, it's always fun to see a bunch of people. I have many fond memories of going to the Arnold and 
I remember a couple of times I couldn't find a hotel. A buddy invited me at the last minute, so I just slept on the floor in his hotel for three nights. (laughs) Yep. I'm trying to see who's doing the... I don't think uh, a lot of the big strongman names are coming either. Um, Well, what's-his-name retired? Uh, Zavikas, I think, is retired. Oh, he did officially retire? I think he finally retired, yeah. He's been doing it for a long time, Oh, forever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Brian Shaw's not in it. Mm. Rob Kearney's a fairly big name. Lissus, Trey Mitchell. There's a lot of, uh, what is there, two people from USA? Three people from USA. The Stoltzman brothers, of course, from Scotland. Yeah. Be interesting. I don't know. Lissus has a chance. Yeah. And on defense, I think he could do really well. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of names I can't pronounce. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ukrainian athlete. He's probably happy. Not be at home. Oh. I don't know if the prize money went down. 80000 for first. That's less, isn't it? I think it's less. I think it's a lot less. Um, yeah. But they pay out the 10th place. But, oh, I mean, no. honestly, 10th place, if you're somebody from, like, Poland, you get three grand, you're not even paying for part of your trip. So paid for your airline to get here if it's just you and another family member. <laughs> two, three, four, five, six. I had no good. Zavikas won it eight times. Oh, was that many? I knew it was several. He, his first one was 2003. Wow. Last one was 2016. So 13 years of Oof. winning. Yeah, that's a long time to be going in that sport. It's wild. Especially yeah. just to not have some, I know he's had injuries, but, you know, to have a sort of non-catastrophic injury you couldn't recover from. I mean, yeah. that's pretty impressive in that sport. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Do you think so? I'll just do World's Strongest Man for a couple more years and then probably move on? Or Yeah, people keep bitching, like, Shaw should retire. And blah. It's like, he took second, man. Yeah, like, you're still doing not, great. Yeah, I'm not saying you should retire. I yeah, just, no. I just uh, wonder I how long so. you could do that sport at that level and just still walk away. I think it's partially that and partially him pushing his own thing that he started. Yeah. So it's like, which is kind of a smart move. Why are you going to push somebody else's event up when you have your own? Totally. So... But I don't see him backing out of World's Strongest Man. That's too big of a yeah. It's a too big of a stage. But yeah. I mean, arguably Arnold now is is as big. Uh, it's basically the World's Strongest Man Part Two because the Arnold was generally the, the heavier, the heavier, shorter static events compared mm-hmm. to compared to the World's Strongest Man. So yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe I'll do a celebrity boxing match. There you go. <laughs> and get Mark Henry come out of retirement. Him and Mark Henry can fight. Oh. Have you met Mark Henry? Yes, he's a huge dude. He is massive. They <laughs> yeah. had some really cool stories about him when they uh, at the when we went to that physical culture museum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Cool stories about like what, what was the dumbbell? Remember the dumbbell? That he was like, yeah, they yeah, specially made good. one for him. Yeah, it was an yeah. inch dumbbell. I yeah, think he dumbbell. cleaned and pressed it, correct? Yeah, I yeah. think so, I think yeah. he's the only person to have officially done that, as far as yeah. I know. As far as I know, I think you're right. 
and because they had me try and pick it up. Jan Todd and Terry Todd let us in the back room to see all the cool things, and uh, I picked it up with two hands. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come close with one. That thing is just the size of that dude's mitts is unbelievable. But yeah, I forget what the dumbbell was before that, where they were like, he didn't really know like what what it was, and people were like trying to lift it, and then he was just like, oh, like what are you guys doing? Like, and then just yeah. did it like real easy, and they were like, yeah. what? what the hell is this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have an inch replica in my garage. I'm still working on lifting someday, but it's. Yeah, 175, 173 pounds, 172 pounds. Like for one hand deadlifts, not that heavy for people who lift. Yes, but a right. two and three eighth inch handle on a dumbbell yeah. that's static without the the amount of rotation that that thing you have to stop with your thumb. Yeah, it's just crazy. And, and then I think clean it and then press it with one hand. Just oof. that's the biggest part. I think people don't understand is the, the static part of it. When a barbell can. When it rotates, big difference. Huge. <laughs> Huge difference. And yeah, that's like, you know, like picking up a farmer's walk compared to a deadlift. The damn thing doesn't spin. You know? Yeah. It makes a big difference. But, and the average viewer can't understand that. It doesn't have the uh, background in it. But No, I've got a 100-pound replica. And, you know, even most people who left, like, it's a, it's a 50-50 chance if they can get it with one hand just as a deadlift. You know, because it's... Yeah. The same principles, and yeah. I think it was was a GNC booth used. I know uh, Sorenex usually has this too. Where didn't Brett Bert do that for a while? Where he stuck a hundred dollar so. bill under an inch, and he's like, "All right, if anyone who's not a competitor here can pick it up, I'll give you the hundred dollar bill." Yeah. And like, almost, I don't think he's ever given it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That grip stuff is different, man. It's a different monster. I generally like I get. I have friends that do it that are much smaller than me, and it's yeah. definitely a trained event. Um, oh, yeah. My grip in general compared to them sucks. Sucks ass. Like, I can hang on to a barbell, but, uh, you know, that stuff is, is otherworldly. And the plate juggling and crap like that, trying to flip. Like, one of the neat ones is flipping a 45-pound rubber bumper and catching it. Yeah. Wouldn't think that'd be tough, man, but, oh. man, it's uh, like I can pick it up fine, but even flipping it. It just slips out of my hand, you know. When you try and yeah. move dynamically, it nope, not happening. Yeah, a so. good good test for listeners is do like a plate curl. So stick like a just start with a ten or twenty five pound plate in your open hand. Put your thumb on top so your hand is splayed underneath, not actually in the holes, and then just do a curl with it. Yeah, the amount of hand, thumb, and wrist strength it takes to do that is wild. And yeah, my buddy Adam's been on the glass has been on the show before and. He's done strict curls with a 45-pound plate, oh. which it's just so batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fun to watch. Yes, it is. So, Oh, man. Other than that, man, not a lot going on. My daughter's fighting in her second boxing match ever tonight. Oh, nice. That'll be interesting. So she was a last-minute call-up. Is that here in Kansas City? Yeah, we're coming down there. I gotta head that way after training. We gotta have her to weigh in. The fight starts at six. She has to be at weigh in by two at the latest. So, yep. Her coach came to me last week and said, "Hey, can she fight?" It's like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> so, she's only been back at practicing for two weeks, but uh, 
So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But How old uh, does she know? 14. Oh, that's so wild. 14, yep. Well, her first one, the first boxing match, and she'll never match this again. There was like 15,000 people at her first fight because it was a big, huge charity thing. And, uh, you know, they had freaking, she had a walkout song through the crowd and everything else. And her coach was like, you're never going to get this again. So <laughs> you better eat it up. Um, but, uh, so we'll see. This is a much smaller deal, but I think there's still like 10 fights. So good. Uh, see how she does. Yeah. She's coaching now too, which is good. So she's helping coach other girls. But, oh, wow. Girls uh, in boxing. Yep. Coaching other girls in boxing, helping golden gloves. So, uh, We'll see. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yep, I'll try and put up some some short videos of it. I'm gonna put out the big money and get ringside seats for thirty five dollars. Ooh. <laughs> I'm a baller. Yeah. So they get the VIP section, they give you champagne and everything then yeah, too. Or? I'm gonna be sitting right by uh I think uh Muhammad Ali and his family are next to me and you know, all the big names are up front. Yeah. Me and them. You know, that's where I that's how I roll. Okay. No champagne, just a Pabst Blue Ribbon for yep. $2. Yep. <laughs> some, some hot dogs. So, but, I don't know. What else is going on, guys? Anything interesting? I live in a so I don't know what's going on. I don't have any fun training stuff that's been eating at me lately. To be honest, I've been trying to kind of go back to what I – Normally do with I tried to because I've I've been trying to understand the the Shiko volume style of mm. training like with the mm. kind of moderate percentages. Yep. And I'll be honest, I I hate it. Like I either want <laughs> <laughs> I, I like high like you know a test lift like where you're working to a heavy set of one through five or whatever, mm-hmm. and then a ton of reps between sixty and eighty percent. That like I like 70 to 90% range, like, or I would even say like 75 to 90% range, which is, you know, relatively common. I guess the average relative intensity is around 70 for most of those. Just like those medium weights. Like I never had success with clients or anyone with, with that range. And so I, I read, like I have his little, his not little, it's a really thick, you know, powerlifting <laughs> book. <laughs> And, you know, it's kind of based on Olympic weightlifting stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, from long ago kind of thing. And I try to understand, like, really get into my, okay, you know, the six by, like, six by three at 75%. Like, for my lifters, what they would, that was like, that's like a rest day for what yeah. we do normally. Yeah. And I've never been able to, like, get it to work the way I want it to. And so I, I always do... Whenever I have an off time, I do like a six or a nine week cycle trying to program very strict percentage type stuff. And that just never, never hits for me. Yeah. Yeah. I do fucking so much volume with everyone that it's like, you know, most of the weightlifting, particularly the other coaches always think I'm like a psychopath or something like that. So with the amount of volume and training that I'll have people do and I just, it just works. Like more work works. Like I've never seen yeah. it not work. You know what I mean? Yeah. The 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 Chico stuff was all the rage for a while there. 
Yeah, that was like super popular, but I don't Way know popular. much about it. Yeah, well, the problem was I think it it was really popular. It was about the time CrossFit was coming up too, so people mm. were really into lots of work. I never saw it produce like it produced a lot of dogma, but yeah, I never saw injuries. it. Yeah, I never saw it produce <laughs> athletes. People like, oh, it's fucking great. You puke and oh, yay. <laughs> but wrestling is relatively low volume. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. for for what we like, especially with you and you and I feel like we program yeah. way more volume. Yeah, considerably. I'm not sure exactly how you exactly how you program, Mike, but I would assume you probably use a little bit more volume as well. Yeah, and I just push volume until people yell at me and the HRV goes off a cliff, <laughs> and then I back down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. So, and even when I did HRV stuff with, uh, I could never even get people into the, and in basically into the yellow, right? Like I couldn't even yeah. get them into that range with the amount of work. Cause it is for us, it's low. Like it's a low yeah. amount of work and volume, but it's a high, it's usually like for us, it's like higher intensity, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. we'll, I'll have people do a lot of reps at, you know, weights that they're very, very confident in. And then work up to top sets, you know, mm-hmm. top sets and drop sets or whatever. So, and I just, and I, every time I like, I'm so jealous of people, anyone who can get something like that working, or I see, you know, people in my field, like in weightlifting who are like, all right, I see their sheet five sets of three at 70%. I'm like, what? How? That's it. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh... I mean, I promise And like, everyone was real crazy on the, the Chinese weightlifting stuff. So mm-hmm. when people were doing that, like I had, I had athletes, right? So who were lifting with me, who got scholarships to go lift for the team. And they would come back and do, you know, the training in the summer. And it would be like, they do like three sets of three at 75% of maybe like a squat and then three or four sets of three, even like something like that for two main lifts, like a squat. And, and then they would do so much like ab and back work. And then I was like, their lifts didn't really go anywhere, but mm-hmm. I, I just never understood it. Like I could, I'd sit there and watch it and I never understood it. And I'd, I'd rack my brain trying to grasp it to the point where I want to see it work. You know what I mean? Like for, <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. I cannot get it like a strict percentage based type program to work with, you know what I mean? Like where it's like, Three sets of three at this, four sets of three at this, and doubles at eighty percent, whatever. Yeah. Because uh, Max Max Ada switched to that after, and he was like one of the Bulgarian dudes I used to mm-hmm. kind of pay attention to, and his squat was crazy. Like he had a yeah. crazy high squat. But then he was, oh yeah, I started doing Chico stuff, and I never really saw him be like, oh, this is this is better, this is worse. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, and he talked about how it was different and how he was like, oh, it's a less volume. And he would say that. He was like, yeah, I would do it and be like, oh, I need to do it again or do something, you know, do something in addition. Yeah. And, and I just never, and I thought maybe if you're high enough on the squat range, like if you were squatting, let's say, 800, right? Yeah, that's how I was going to say. So you're, now you're different. Yeah, that that seventy percent is very taxing and yeah. stressful. That session might, you know, mess you up. And I yeah. was like, maybe, maybe that's my problem. It's like, I, and so I, I ran it with some like higher, uh, higher strength individuals, and like basically got.
pretty good at doing 90%, and that's about it. Like, I didn't gain anything from it, so. Yeah. I, I've never got just strict percentage-based programming to work great for me. Yeah. Do you think that's because you're dealing with athletes that are good athletes, but they actually have a life? Like, they're not living in an <laughs> Olympic training center where, like, everything is, like, ultra regimented where like lifting is like the only thing that they're put on the planet to do so that their variation just walking in day to day is going to exceed the variation difference that you've programmed. I think I program harder than what the Chico stuff is like the Chico style. So I think I treat people closer to what you would get at like a national training center or whatever. And oh, less, I just mean like, like you've got more variability from them walking in. So you're trying to customize it to what they can do more on that day, whether it's pushing volume or intensity to kind of get the most out of their potential. But that variation may be 90% one day, 92% the next day, 87% the next day. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah for programming sure. a strict, oh, it's 91.25% today of your yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I that, that's definitely the case, but you know, I, you know, kind of stole that from Coach Bros, where it's like that percentage yeah. work is trash. Like, don't, yeah, you know, you do a, a top set to kind of see, like, to see where you're at out of regulatory wise, mm-hmm. and then you work off of that. Yeah. So yeah, like in that sense, yes, but it's the it's the amount of it's the lack of volume that yeah. I can't even, and so especially with and this happened with Jess partly because I had time to experiment with her right now. In this little training block, so I was like, "Oh, let's see what could happen with her." And everything went down in this last yeah. training cycle. Like, it has not been good. She's been frustrated, and all that. And Ali, I can't get, I can't wait to get out of this training cycle. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wrote it just like a little nine-week thing, and it just like I'm trying to think. So the, some of the hardest days, like the first three or four weeks of it are great because it's a ton of volume at 70%. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are like, oh, man, it's, you know, crushing me or whatever. But when you get into the intensity phase, that, like, going into that, I never had anyone, you know, break through with that style training. Yeah. Like, some of my, like, and this is almost true from the start, is my best lifters hit their best lifts on, like, the weeks that they should be almost dead. Like, hmm. Like the highest person, you know, not highest percentage, but highest volume weeks. And they're like really crushed. And like on the last day too, it'll be like Friday. They'll come in, they'll crawl in. Yeah. I, I can't coach my, my toes or whatever. And then, yeah. <laughs> and they'll hit their best lift. So usually like on yeah. a Wednesday or a Thursday. Oddly enough, I see that a lot in weightlifting too. It's like the more you beat the shit out of them, the better they'll do to a point. And it's when they're feeling their worst. It's like, okay, we're ready to go. Uh, Why can't say it so you, much. <sighs> you think it's because they have to resort to like a uh, conscious, un, you know, um, competent unconscious programming because they just have so much fatigue. Yeah, I don't you would know. Think it would be the inverse, but because it is in powerlifting. Like generally, if you walk in and you're feeling like yeah, you're done. trash, you're just done. <laughs> it's time for a week off. Right. You know? um, because that's how we'll feel. Like everybody, 
at this last meet I did, I had one guy that was his first meet, and we're like three weeks out. He's like, man, I feel like trash. I was like, good. That's Perfect. right where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, you should feel like yep. shit right now. Um, that's that's exactly how I feel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Weightlifting's different. It's And I don't know why it is. I mean, it could be hmm. exactly what you said. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah, it's odd. And, what I've done, aside from like Drell was talking about, where we go to a heavy max and then, and then back off from there, a daily max is go the opposite route too on the volume stuff. Like say we're doing eighty percent for sets and reps, it's that's the work we need to do before we can go up. So let's uh, say we hit our five sets of three to eighty percent. If you kill that, now we need to go up. Uh, yeah, you've got more capacity left. And so basically, it's just pushing things to. You know, you push it to that eight or nine, you know, for the day. Because if not, I mean, if you're just constantly living in, if you're not having to try hard, it just, you're not going to go anywhere. I mean, you got to try hard once you're not new. You know, when you're new, anything works. But, you know, but then it's finding that rev limiter, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to blow the machine up either, but. You, know, you got to get into that uncomfort zone. You know, making progress is not comfortable, and we need to get into that zone, but not the dying and breaking zone. So that's yeah. The that, that's one thing I've tried to do with my own training over the past couple of years. I've realized, like on Saturdays, Mondays, and then maybe Wednesday if I have time. Unfortunately, a lot of it's just a little bit limited by time now. Just making training so much more open-ended. And, you know, for me, like Saturday and Monday are my bigger days, you know, more volume, more intensity. And then if I'm just feeling good, like this past week, I did an hour and 50 minute session on Monday, which for me is pretty long. For Phil, that's like a normal day. And for you, Mr. L, it's probably a normal day. Um, and then I just go until my quality of work just drops off and then I'm done. Right. Cause it's like I'm not doing any more useful work. I'm just digging a hole into recovery now. Um, but I think the longer you train, especially now that I've been home for longer times too, it's, you just have to find a way to progressive overload. You have to do more or do more intense and mm-hmm. there's just no way around it. And if you can't do it because your conditioning sucks, like we talked about before, then you need to work on your conditioning. So you're not, you know, aerobically limited on stuff then either. Yeah. It's just that, constant puzzle of figuring that out and maybe you have to switch to more heavier you know different methods and like my buddy Cal Dietz has like a super max method that he'll use with athletes where they're doing 120 percent for you know heavy eccentrics because he's like mm-hmm. a, you know advanced athletes he's like how do I safely apply more stress to them because yeah. we fit a ceiling and they need more stress so the organism's just not going to adapt because it's like hey mm-hmm. I did this been here before bah. Nah, no reason to change. Yeah. Like every yeah. template I've used ever is like, you know, what most people think is like some sort of psychopath amount of volume. Like even the West Side stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you don't do a ton of volume on the main lifts with West Side stuff, but you, and it, it's like that's 20% of the day. Yeah. Right? He's like 20% is, you know, their intensity lifts or speed lifts or whatever. But 80% of the work is they just plug all that work into the assistance work. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. always like a strict West side has never been effective for me, but I guess 
there's no such thing as a strict west side, but like <laughs> closer closer to the temp, template with too yeah. much variation hasn't worked for me. So I never really use that. But like just the, the idea of the volume, like all right, you do you know, ten percent of your lifts during the year are in the ninety percent range, which if you look at our overall training style and our overall volume, it's like that. Like like even if you do work up to a heavy set every day, like heavy single and drop sets, so you do that every day. Like you do maybe ten to fifteen total reps in that range weekly. Mm-hmm. And usually it doesn't get into that ninety percent range at all. It's usually like eighty, eighty five percent, like kind of a training max. So let's say maybe six lifts, six lifts per week that's going to end up ninety percent plus. Well, we do, you know, the the ocean is in the sixty to eighty percent range. Mm-hmm. Like that just always seems to be tried and true. And like you yeah. build on a just a crazy base of volume, split it into two a days if you can. Like that's the best is like to do like a third of the volume in the morning and then you do 70% of the rest of the work in the evening. And that's always been the best essentially for me. And I've never been able to like escape that since I had progress with that lifters haven't either. And also focus here on the squat. There's a thing and way the thing that kills me is like, the idea that the technique is so much more important mm-hmm. than just getting fucking stronger. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that always boggles me is the, the forgetfulness of the people in that sport that it is a strength sport. Oh yeah. It's like, you're still, it's, it's not figure skating. You know, we're not judged on how pretty it's done. You know, yeah. it's who gets it overhead in a confined set of rules and you gotta be strong to do that. You know? <laughs> And even just to reduce injury, right? If you've got a heavy-ass lift that goes wrong and you've got a split second to decide to bail or try to make it, and yeah. you go to try to make it, you better hope you're strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and strength can out-trump, to a point, a, a small flaws in technique. Oh, yeah. You know, because he's just otherworldly. So look at Terry Ankle's videos. So what, he owned the clean and jerk records for, like, ever. It wasn't pretty. No. You know, his lifts were never like, oh, Watch this guy. He's technically perfect. No, he's just fucking strong. Yeah. You know? So, but, yeah, and that's our country, especially, forgot that for a long time. Um, and that's what was the, the joke going around. Like, there's no steroid for technique. <laughs> if, if, if weightlifting was only technical, steroids would have zero effect. You yeah. know, they wouldn't affect the sport at all. Um, hell, even, like, sprinting and things like that, like, it pays. So, <laughs> well, more volume. Yep, more volume. Kick its ass. So, speaking of that, I got to go in and do a. Uh, what are we doing today? Box squat. Max. Oh. Single, I think. You don't do a lot of box squats, do you, Phil? Yeah, I rotate them in here and there. I okay. did a lot of them when I came back from hip. Yeah, that hip. makes sense. Um, a ton. That's like all I did. And uh, I used them a ton to then. Basically, the goal with those was it was my barometer of depth, like over time, my barometer of progress. You know, okay, the box is an inch lower. I'm getting mobility back, you know. Um, and that's when my hip for a year, it was like loose is how I explain it. Mm. 
just getting everything to tighten back up because they had to cut through so much stuff. But, yeah, we don't do a ton of them, but we'll do some. And I'm on a – we rotate a lot of the conjugate style stuff. I won't say west side, but uh, – Yeah, conjugate. We do a lot of – the difference I do is I think where a lot of people mess up is like, okay, it's max five day, and they're thinking it's true max five day. <laughs> um, yeah. And the way I run it is we try and get into that. Once you hit about that 80% of what your max five is going to be today, that's when our jumps slow down. So we're looking to get like three to eight sets in that higher range. So it's not a, by the time you hit that max for the day, it wouldn't have been a true max because you wore yourself out. But we're looking to get a lot of work in, in that harder range. Um, So, because if not, we'd just load the fucking bar up and go. Uh, yeah. like some of the high schools around here. It's max day. It's loaded. Yeah. Go for it. You know, holy crap. So, yeah. uh, but. there's a huge difference between doing one set at a heavy five RM versus doing five to eight sets at a heavy yeah. five RM. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's also become meat day. That's, it's easy. Like I want my, our meat days. Everybody's like, Oh, meats are so easy. Cause yeah, cause our training's so hard. You know, we train hard to make meats easy. You know, it's nine fucking lifts. Come meet day, everybody's like, "Whoo, deload week!" So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good stuff. But anyway, nice. Anyway. So, all right, guys. Like I said, if anybody's going to the Arnold, you can reach out to me on the social medias, and we'll try and meet up. Uh, I'll go down there. I can't promise I'll be down there Saturday, but I'll, I'll I'm going to make an appearance down there Friday, and I'll be in Columbus, and then heading to to see Windler and things on Saturday, and I don't know, try and talk him out of the house, but. That may not happen. <laughs> yeah. Drop me line. We can get a beer or a sandwich or something. There you go. But, all right, guys. Until cool. Next. Sounds good. Have fun. Thank you.